Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the 29th day, the blessed month of Misra, and on the 29th of every Coptic month, the Church celebrates three feasts that happened on the 28th day of the month. The Annunciation happened on the 29th of Baramhat, the 29th of Baramhat, which is April 7th, so it's easy to think about, April 7th. The Nativity happened on... The 29th of Piach, so that's January 7th, so if you take January 7th, subtract 9 months, you get to April 7th. And the Resurrection Feast, you know the Resurrection Feast is a floating holiday, but we celebrate it like it has to be on a, on a Sunday. But according to the history in the Church Synexar, the actual day of resurrection actually occurred on the 29th day of Baramhat as well. So 29th day of Baramhat, we celebrate Annunciation. Nine months later, we celebrate Nativity on the 29th. And we also commemorate the resurrection which happened on the 29th of Baramhat as well. So that's why the 29th of almost every Coptic month is so special. Because we celebrate these three great feasts. And on the readings of this blessed day, the readings are the readings of the Feast of the Annunciation. Because the Annunciation is the beginning of Incarnation. It's the beginning of our salvation. It's the beginning of our deliverance from sin. And that's why the Pauline Epistle today was from Romans chapter 3. And Romans chapter 3, we read the entire chapter of Romans chapter 3, all 31 verses. And the thesis of the book of Romans is the main idea is that sin ruined mankind, sin destroyed mankind, and then how can now something that has been ruined by sin now stand before God? The only way you could stand before God, and the way St. Paul says it, is that you could be justified before God, is that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the key word in that sentence is justified. What does it mean to be justified? Well, the opposite of justified is to be not justified. If you are not justified, then you are... Can you imagine if you're standing in court and you are not justified, then you will be condemned when you are judged. But if you are justified, then you will not be condemned... And St. Paul teaches us that this, the way you can be justified is belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to dig a little deeper into a couple concepts mentioned in the Pauline Epistle today, and deeper into the book of Romans as well. St. Paul talks about sin in three different ways. He talks about sin in three different ways. He talks about sin as actions that we do. If I do, a, like I sin against you, if I did an action, this is sin. Then he talks about sin, the same word sin, but he speaks about it in a different way. Sin as a status. Sin as a status. One who does this now has become a sinner. So now, people who sin become 
sinners. So he can use the same word, sin, and he means what he means by is it that you've become sinners. The third way, on that one, for example, Romans 5, for one, for, for as by one's, sorry, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. He used the term sinners as, as a status of people who sin. The third way St. Paul uses the word sin is he personifies it as a master. As a master. And he says, like, the sin now has become a power. It's as if it's a king. As if it's ruling. As if sin reigns over people. And this is what St. Paul spoke about in the Pauline epistle today. He said in Romans 3, he said that sin is reigning over us. Sin has become our king. That's why in Romans chapter 3 says, For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. What does he mean by all are under sin? He means that all are under the reign, under the authority of sin. And then, the thing about sin that is important for us to, to realize is that sin always starts off as a choice. It always starts off as a choice. I choose to do this sin. I choose to do this. I choose. It starts off very, like, at the beginning as a choice. After you choose sin a few times, no longer do you choose sin Actually, the sin chooses you. And actually, you become a slave of sin. And you become under the dominion over sin. And that's why, like someone like struggling with evil thoughts, the evil thoughts just come to the mind. And the evil thoughts are just in the mind. I can't get them out. They're in the mind. This means sin is ruling over me. Sometimes the belly rules mankind and the belly tells me oh i'm hungry i need to eat i need to do this i need to do this so who is ruling it's not it's not the lord it's not the mind it's the body is ruling and so then you become under the dominion of the belly and the god becomes a belly and then we offer sacrifice to the god of our belly by offering meat and and all the the wonderful pleasures on the altar of this idol this is what it means to be under the dominion of sin. In Romans chapter 3, he talks about that everyone, all of mankind is under this dominion of, of sin. Look at what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 3. He says, there is not one righteous, not one. There is not one who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is no one who does good, no, not one. And if you think about like our environments and you see the work environments and the places we go to school and the, all the things, you say, wow, there is no godly people here. You see the power of sin dominating in, in all facets of, of society. He says, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. 
And one of the signs of the reign of sin is that man cannot control his mouth. One thing I've become very cognizant of is, and even I'll be driving with the windows down and, you know, like the weather's nice, and you'll pull up to a car next to you, and all of a sudden you'll hear the conversation in the car, and it's all kullu shitayim and all this stuff. And into uh, ever experienced that? And then, like, I, the other day I was walking on a college campus, yani, two days ago, yesterday, two days ago, and you walk around and you just yani, hear beep, 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 beep from every nahya. It's non-stop. The, like, and this is what the, the gospel is saying, or the, the Pauline was saying, their throat is an open tomb, their tongues have practiced to see, the poison of asps is under their lips, the poison is in their mouth, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And one of the like, church fathers said, open tomb, he says it's an open tomb, because no longer are people ashamed to say these bad things. They say them openly. Even, I was looking, I told you this before, but I keep seeing it. How our youth communicate in their group chats. Yaretia youth, please, to use words that are worthy of your being as Christians. And you can say each nasty things to each other. This is poison in the lips. Even, like one of the church fathers said, it's like a, a venom, like the venom of a snake. And it bites. And we bite each other when we say cursing to each other. The mouth is supposed to be used for for blessing, for praising, for glory to God. Not for cursing. The words to be encouraging, to lift each other up, to care for each other, to encourage each other. I wish we use our words for praising God. Otherwise, sin will reign on our tongues, and we can use our lips to destroy and to say evil and to speak evil of each other. He goes on, he says, Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The state of humanity. This was the state of humanity before the feasts that we are celebrating today. This was the state of humanity before the feasts that we are celebrating today. The, the great thing about these feasts is that the Lord came to defeat sin. So no longer can sin reign over man, or no longer should man become a slave of sin. That's why St. Paul, he goes in Romans chapter 6, he develops this idea further. He says, therefore do not let sin reign in your body, that you should obey its lusts. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. So now, when you look at the life of a Christian, the life of Christian should have, sin should not be reigning in the life of a Christian. Sin does not have dominion over us. Because as St. Paul says, Christ has died to sin. St. Paul says, Christ has died to sin. And St. Paul says, we have died with Christ in... In... Baptism. Baptism. We have died with Christ in... So Christ has died to sin, and we have died with Christ in... Baptism. So then St. Paul says, Likewise, you also, you, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. 
Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to imagine someone dead in their casket. Oh, dead in their casket. And as they're lying dead, I want you to bring the most tempting things to them. I want you to bring all the money in the world and put it at the feet of a dead person. Is the dead person tempted by any of this? Why? Because he's dead. Imagine you bring the most glamorous, the most beautiful woman ever, the most tempting whatever, anything, the most tempting meal, the most whatever, and put it before a dead man in the casket. Does that tempt the dead man? No, it does not. Because he's dead. And this is the image, and this is the way the Christian should be to, to sin. That none of these things move me. That's why, like, if you, if you think about Wahadzai, like St. Anthony, St. Anthony, he was tempted with gold. He was in the desert by himself, he sees gold. And he walks right by it. And he doesn't even consider it. How does St. Anthony just walk right by gold? If I saw the gold, I'd dig it. would look for more. I'd seem to take more and then go back. But St. Anthony had no desire for, for sin. He's dead to sin. And even the devil tried to appear to, appear to him many times as a, a beautiful woman, as a beautiful woman. And this did not shake St. Anthony either. Why? Because St. Anthony... Dead to sin. Today I want to speak to you how we can be dead to sin, but alive to God. Being dead to sin means that we have to renounce sin. Renounce sin. What does that mean to renounce sin? It means to find sin disgusting. That I find sin reprehensible. And maybe I can see this from my experience with sin. Who has sinned here? Until you sinned before? So maybe when you have sinned, maybe you think about, like Masalan, sin promised me pleasure, but it delivered me pain. Sin promised me fulfillment, but it left me empty. Sin promised me contentment, but it left me discontent. Sin promised me happiness, but I still feel sorrow in my heart. Sin promised me satisfaction, but now all I have is regret from what I've done. So now I've tasted the effects of sin in my life. I've tasted the pain of sin. I've tasted the emptiness of sin. I've tasted the sadness of sin. The sorrow of sin, the regret of sin, the guilt of sin. Now I should be encouraged to say, don't need sin anymore. I hate sin. Sin never did anything good for me. And that's what St. Paul says in Romans 6. He says, when you are slaves of sin, and you didn't do righteousness, you were free from righteousness. He says, what fruit... Did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? How did sin help you? And I was thinking about someone the other day was telling me how miserable they are in their workplace. 
and how their workplace is toxic and how it, everyone burns out and everybody leaves their job and everybody hates it and everybody is like, it's a very evil place and everything. So then what did he decide to do? He renounced it. He said, I'm not working here anymore. Wahna, we've seen all the bad things of sin and we do all this thing and we're just like, Wahna mm, keda. This is the way we are. No, we have to say, we renounce you. We renounce sin. And that's why, like, the first step to be dead to sin is to renounce sin. And that's why the first step in the baptism, even before you're baptized, what do you have to do? You have to renounce Satan. And say, I'm done with you, Satan. Satan, what did you do for me? You didn't do anything for me. Jesus did everything for me. So I don't need you, sin, in my life. And that's why the, the prayer of the renounce, I renounce you, Satan, and all your unclean works, all your wicked angels, all your evil demons, all your power, all your abominable service, all your evil cunning, and all your army, and all your authority, and all the rest of your impieties. I renounce you, I renounce you, I renounce you. You have to renounce... Satan. The problem with us this day, these days, we don't renounce Satan. We don't. Actually, we welcome him into our homes. We welcome him into our, our dealings and our interactions with people. We bring him in through the shows and the music and all the araf that we watch. But then you're not renouncing Satan. You love, you love sin. You're asking sin to be a dominion over you. But if you want to be free from sin, you have to say, no sin. I don't want sin in our life. That's why repentance is so important. Repentance is changing the mind towards sin and saying, I, I want this sin to be dead with me. I don't want to be a slave of sin anymore. And that's why the Catholic epistle said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the first step to be dead to sin is say I don't want sin in my life I don't want sin in my life another way to become dead to sin and to alive to Christ is to use your body for the glory of God to use your body for the glory of God and not for sin St. Paul says this, Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members, your members, as instruments to God. We were talking about how, if you notice, when we described all the way the humanity was in sin, it talked about the mouth being under sin. It talked about their feet are swift to shed blood. All of the body parts are used to do... Sin. But now, on the other side, you want to be dead to sin, you want to be alive. It says, use your members to do righteousness, to do good. Use your body for service. Use your body as an instrument for God. You know, think of the body as a musical instrument. Yeah? And if you think of as like an instrument, if it's playing with others, it sounds like a symphony. It sounds great. You hear the harmonies. You sound, you, it sounds beautiful together. But if each instrument is playing their own tune and doing their own desires and doing their own things, then you have like not good sound. It doesn't sound nice. You have a shamansaketa, like not good, not nice. You know? 
So the idea is that if each instrument plays together in harmony, if each member is using their body as serve, if every member is serving in the church, if every member is singing in their proper it will be a harmonious church and the body of Christ will be working together. It will be very nice, be very different. A brother renounced the world. This is a story from the Paradise of Desert Fathers. He said the brother did step one. He renounced the world and gave his goods to the poor. But he kept back a little for his personal expense. And he went to see Ava Anthony. When he told him this, the old man said, If you want to be a monk, go into the village, buy some meat, and cover your naked body with it, and come here like that. So this monk wants to be a monk. He kept. So Saint Anthony said, "Go like you're not doing this properly. Go to the market, buy some meat, put it on your naked body, and come back and visit me." So the the brother did so, and he says the dogs and the birds tore at his flesh. Can you imagine walking in the wilderness and you have meat all over your body? So the animals came and started to and eat at him, and then Saint Anthony saw his wounded body. And said, those who renounce the world, you do step one. But if you want to keep something for themselves, are torn in this way by the demons who make war on them. You cannot. Your instruments, you have to take off all the other things. Use your body for the glory of God. And then the demons cannot, like, will not find a reason to attack you. The third way to realize we are dead with sin, or to realize... To become dead from sin and to be alive in Christ is to realize that we are in union with Christ. We are in union with Christ. Imagine a slave of an oppressive master. And this slave is set free. But then, after this slave has been set free, he says, No, I actually really liked it with my oppressive master. They mean like the Egyptians under the worst slavery ever. And then they get freed. They go wander in the desert and say, "Mm, I wish we could go back to Egypt and become slaves again. Don't remember the the bricks that you had in in the workload and the whip that you were under? Why would anyone who has been freed from sin want to be? A slave of sin. We have to realize we have been united with Christ. We have been set free. So no longer are we slaves. Look at what St. Paul says. He says, for we have been united together in the likeness of of his death. You've been united together. Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin... The body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And the word that St. Paul uses here, that united together, means growing together. It was the idea of the plant being grafted in the plant. So the branch that is in the tree... Is the branch supporting the tree or is the tree supporting the branch? The tree and the root is supporting the branch. If you want to be dead to sin and you want to be alive to God, realize that you are in Christ and He will support you. 
Your support doesn't come from your own, like your own efforts or your own works. You need to remember that I am in Christ, and through Christ I will defeat any sin. And sin cannot have dominion over me. That's why the last night the Vespers Gospel was about... To Arfin Vesper Gospel, can I embarrass? It's about the sinful woman. The sinful woman is a very, 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 very sinful woman. But she came to the Lord and received forgiveness for her sins. She renounced her former life. She wanted to use her body for goodness. And she received freedom. Ah, freedom. And the debt that she had, Christ took it away from her. And he even said... One who owes 50 and another owes 500. Which one loves him more? He took away the debt. He has made us free. So if he has made you free, don't become a slave again. That's why I love the litany that we pray in the midnight. It said, Give me, O Lord, many fountains of tears as you gave in the past the sinful woman. Make me worthy to wash your feet. Which, what did the tears do? What did they do? They liberated me. You want freedom? Go to Christ. Christ gives you freedom. They liberated me from the path of straying to offer you a precious fragrant oil and gain through repentance a pure life so that I may hear the voice full of joy. Your faith has saved you. The last thing that I want to say is if you want to be dead from sin, I said remember that you are united in Christ, and remember that you have support from the heavenly. You have support from the saints. You have support from the fellowship of the church. Saint Damiana, you read the account of her torture and how they tortured her. They made her drink molten lead. The, the pain of drinking molten lead, or the pain of they cut off her limbs one by one. And each time they would torture her, it says she would cry out to God, and an angel would come, and just, it says in the account, the angel would just touch her with just like, just Let's kid just touch with just the the wing of Yani the angel and made whole. Can you imagine one touch from the angel and it makes everything whole and it gives you power beyond and gives you strength beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Can you imagine? You're so weak, you're so, I feel I'm so distraught, I can't, the sin is ruling. Ask one of the saints to come and touch you. With one, just one little touch, you'll feel power and strength you'll never felt before in your life. And many of the saints experience that. Master, and I got this idea, I was thinking about this icon right here. And he think about how scary it was for St. Mary. She sees an angel, behold, you are blessed among women, and all, the, and all the big words that are being said about her. But I imagine as the angel is saying all these big words, the angel gave her strength, gave her courage, gave her promise, told her, the Lord is with you. You know, do not be afraid. And this 
gave her strength in her spiritual life to realize she doesn't like we, we, we like I can trust in the promises of God. So we too, we do not have to be dead to sin. We can trust in the power and the strength of the community of saints who are praying for us, supporting us, encouraging us in our daily life. I told you four ways that we can overcome sin and be alive in Christ. Number one, by renouncing sin. We have to renounce sin. Number two, to use our body for the glory of God, not for sin. Number three, to realize we are in union with Christ. And four, we have the community of saints who give us power and strength. And glory be to God forever. Amen.